You know, the 4th of July is an awesome thing to celebrate. It is an awesome thing to celebrate. It's more than just a longer weekend. You know, it signifies something pretty amazing. Um, Let's go ahead and put the first slide up if we could, Phil. Thank you very much. July 4th, we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It was a process of it being written. I was kind of reading the history of it. It was quite a process. It's not something that happened really quickly. But the signing was on July 4th. And um, the Declaration of Independence, it was written for a reason. It was written for a reason. And uh, it was adopted by the Continental Congress on July 4th, 1776, which announced that the 13 American colonies that are at war with Great Britain regarded themselves as independent states and no longer a part of the British Empire. Instead, they now formed a new nation, the United States of America. That's what it was written for, to make that declaration. Now, 11 years later, after... We had gone through the war and won our independence. The Constitution was written. It was written for a reason, too. And uh, our, our Constitution is amazing when you read through it. But the Constitution of the United States is the supreme law for the United States of America. That is our guideline. So who we have on the Supreme Court is really important as, as how do they look at the Constitution. The Word of God was written for a reason. All right? And, and that's just what I want to talk about today. It, it was written for a reason. The Holy Scriptures. Our text is going to be 2 Timothy, um, starting in, in chapter 3, verse 14. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young minister that has uh, been mentored by Paul in ministry. And let's just go to that text. We'll look at it together. And typically, when I give a message, you know, there's like three points that I want you to remember. Well, today I, I'm giving you seven. And the goal is not to remember all seven, but the, you know, the seven together, okay, you understand. You'll, you'll get it, okay. But anyway, I have lots of points today. <laughs> but our text is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and following. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me pray, then we're going to go through these verses. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I I know that your Holy Spirit really is the teacher of your word. So, Father, just use me, and by your precious Holy Spirit, bring the things out that you want brought out. May they be seeds that take root and bear fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, in this text, I just want us to look quickly at, at verse 15. And it says, and how from infancy, I mean, that's pretty young, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So I got a few questions here. Why should we take time to know the Holy Scriptures? It takes time to know the Word of God, right? 
It takes time. It, it's, uh, it takes effort, really, to know the Word of God, to know it very well. Why put in the effort? Why take time to know what God's Word says? <clears throat> when I was in college, I had to take some classes in music to get my BA degree. Now, Bible is what I was heading for, but I had to have some music classes to get my BA degree. So I picked music appreciation. <laughs> and I found that I really didn't appreciate the music I had to study. I, uh, I had to listen to music that I would never listen to again. Ever. I had to read about people you know, composers and all this sort of stuff that I didn't care anything about. And every name I memorized is gone. And I'm okay with that. I really am. That textbook I had, and I was one of those students, you know, my daughter says, well, you don't have to read everything in school. You know, read what you need to get your grade. And I was one of those students that read pretty much everything I was told to read. So, so I read this book, and uh, after I got through the class... I have never picked that book up again. I might still have it, but it is just boxed somewhere. And why I'm still carrying it around, I don't know. But So, <clears throat> to me it was a waste of time, but it was necessary. Okay, For others, they loved the class. For me, it was a waste of time. I had to put a lot of effort in, but I really didn't care. Now, the scriptures takes time to read them takes time to meditate on them. Takes time to listen to them. If you're more of an auditory person, you can listen to the scriptures. I mean, you got apps for your phones and all kinds of stuff. It takes time. Why do we want to take the time to do that? I don't pay attention to every letter I get in the mail. Okay, of course, now mostly everything's emails, and there's a lot of emails I don't pay much attention to either. Okay, not yours. I, I give your emails priority. But if I get something in the mail that says current occupant, okay, it goes. If it says pre-qualified for, it goes. If it says like time-dated emergency, open immediately, it goes. You know... Or the, you have one. I used to look at those, what a waste of time. They go, okay. I don't pay attention to everything that is sent to me. Because those people that send that stuff to me don't know me. And they don't care about me. They just want to get some of my money somehow. Okay, but they don't care about me. But you know what? The Word of God, finally getting to the first point. They come, the scriptures come from God. Written by God. And I care about that. Okay? Now I know God used people to write the scriptures. But God by His Holy Spirit is the author of what was written. Okay? It was, it was directed by the Spirit of God. And so uh, they come from God. You know, part of our text, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. You know, that, that's basically saying He speaks, coming directly from Him. All Scripture is God-breathed. 
the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them wants to communicate with us. See, he took the initiative. We didn't beg him to do this. He took the initiative. And he said, I want you to know me. I I want you to know what I'm like. I want you to know what my will is. I want you to know how you fit into my eternal plans and purposes. I don't want to keep this hidden from you. I want to make it very clear to you. And I want you to know how you can be close to me. God wants us to know these things. The scriptures come from Him. My second point. I got seven to get through, so I got to move along here today. According to our text, the scriptures lead us to salvation. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what it says. We'll look at verse 15, 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You can read all kinds of books and they can make you wise. Okay? You can read a book on lawn care and become very wise on how you have a beautiful lawn. I just don't want you moving next to me if you do that. Alright? I don't want you to be one of those neighbors that make my lawn look terrible. Okay? You can read books on home improvement and become wise on how to, you know, do things in your house and make it better. And that's all good. That's good. You can read books on uh, fashion and be wise on current fashion like your pastor is. I'm well up on all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but God's word simply says this. It'll make you wise for salvation. Now that's something to really be wise about. Okay, Being saved from the judgment of God for the sin on your life, that's pretty important. Wise for salvation. God's word will show you how to be saved from his judgment. He's not trying to have this big, some big surprise. He says, no, you're under my judgment. I want you to understand your sin has brought you under my judgment. And all sin will be judged. But I want you to see how you can get away and sin will be judged. It'll be my son instead of you. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to understand. God's word will show us how to be free from the dominion, the control of sin. Because sin gets in everybody's life and it will control them. But God wants us to see how we can no longer be a slave. We can be set free from the power of sin and learn how to walk with Him. He wants us to know that stuff. It'll lead us to salvation. God's word will lead us to Jesus. And it'll keep bringing us back to Jesus. Forgiveness. God wants us to see, I offer you forgiveness. Oh, what a beautiful thing when the unrighteousness of a person is not counted against them. Forgiveness. Acceptance. I could go on and on. But listen, God's word, the scriptures, they lead us to salvation. They do. 
God's word is useful. Have you ever found something in your house and you look at it and you wonder, what is this thing? (laughs) Have you ever done that? And you look at it and you say, it looks like it could really be important. I mean, there's lots of little gadget things in there. You don't have a clue what it's for. But you realize that if I throw it away, someday it might really need it. So what do you do with it? You put it in the drawer. No, we don't call it junk drawer. You just put it in the drawer. And it sits in there. And typically, you never do find a purpose for it. But it stays in the drawer. And it will probably stay in there till Jesus comes back. <laughs> it's really not useful. Okay? But in our text today, man, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, excuse me, it said this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It's not something that gets set in a drawer and you wonder why. It, it is useful. Every day it is useful. And we're just going to go through the things that it says it's useful for. Okay? And you guys are all familiar with these scriptures. I mean, I'm just... I'm, this is basically a putting you in remembrance of mourning. Because you know these things. It's just putting you in remembrance. So, what is it, what is it useful for? <clears throat> Point three. Teaching. There's our text. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. God himself wants to teach us. Isn't that awesome? To have a father that wants to mentor you. That wants to teach you. Because some of us, we're pretty clueless. Okay? We're just, we can be very clueless at times. And God says, I love you and I know you're clueless. And I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. And so he's teaching us. When I read God's word, he's teaching me. You know? And I'm encouraged through that. So, as I'm reading, you know, I just, I just thought of some things that, you know, come to me. When I started reading the Bible after I became a Christian, everything was new to me. But it's like I'm reading and he's saying, Son, Mike, this is how I want you to live. Amen. This is the way to live. Mike, this is what real love is. Your concept of love is kind of twisted and warped. This is what real love is. You know, I want you to get this. He's just teaching and he's teaching. Mike, this is the way I want you to treat your wife. You saw how your dad treated your wife. His wife, excuse me. And someone that wasn't so good. I want to show you how to do it right. This is how you raise your kids. God's word will teach us everything we need to know. It really will. And then sometimes he's just teaching us to trust. Mike, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death right now. But I want you to know, I'm with you. You're not alone. You might think you're alone, but you're not alone. I am with you. And all things will work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Teaching. I love that. I love that. Sometimes, sometimes we stop listening 
to the teacher. Have you ever done that? I know some of you have because I look out on a Sunday and I can say, that one stopped listening a long time ago. And that one... So I know what happens. And it can't be because of me because I am an awesome teacher. (laughs) And God deals with me on pride. (laughs) When we stop listening and and stop really being open to His teaching... You know what he'll do sometimes? He'll rebuke us. You ever been rebuked by the Lord? Oh my. <laughs> Most of the time, and I'm very thankful, he keeps it very private. You know, okay? Between him and me. <laughs> if he has to do a public rebuke, that's a little tougher. Well, let's go to our text again. Same text, highlighting a different word. Rebuking. Rebuking. Um... The New Living Translation says it this way. Make us realize what's wrong in our lives. He makes us see it. You've got to see this. This is what's wrong. And uh, can a rebuke ever be good? Rebukes can be life-saving. You know what I'm saying? Rebukes can cause you from going on a path of destruction to one that leads to life. I mean, rebukes are healthy. Because when God rebukes us, it's in care and love. He's not saying, ah, you know, "Ah, I got lots of other kids. No. No. He really is trying to get our attention. I want to read this illustration. A little long, but... In 1850, Abraham Lincoln's stepbrother, John D. Johnston, wrote to him and asked yet again for a loan so he could settle some debts. On previous occasions, Lincoln simply gave Johnston the money. But this time Lincoln responded with a tough love letter that included a helpful proposal. So here's the letter. Dear Johnston, your request for $80, I do not think it best to comply with now. At the previous times when I have helped you a little, you have said to me, we can get along very well now, but in a very short time I find you in the same difficulty again. Now this can only happen by some defect in your conduct. You know, when I talked with my kids and stuff, I was not that flowery. But anyway, this this is just so nice and flowery. What that defect is, I think I know. You are not lazy, and still you're an idler. I doubt whether, since I saw you, you've done a good whole day's work in any one day. (laughs) Wow. This habit of uselessly wasting time is the whole difficulty. It is vastly important to you and still more so to your children that you should break the habit. You are now in need of some money and what I propose is that you should go to work tooth and nail for somebody who will give you money for it and to secure you a fair reward for your labor. Uh, I now promise you that for every dollar you will between this and the 1st of May get for your own labor I will then give you one other dollar. Now, if you will do this, you'll soon be out of debt. And what is better, you will have a habit that will keep you from getting in debt again. But if I should now clear you out of debt, next year you would be just as deep in as ever. Affectionately, your brother, A. Lincoln. (laughs) So, listen, a rebuke doesn't mean somebody is mad at you necessarily. A rebuke is not a sign that God is mad at you. 
But it is a sign that God sees, you've stopped listening, and now he really has to address it. Because he cares. I could share some instances where the Lord's rebuked me. I'll pick one that's small. Okay. <clears throat> my brother, my, uh, my younger brother, had gotten involved in a ministry that... Uh, and he ended up in lots of trouble. Lots of trouble. And I was, I was upset with the leadership of this ministry. And I was very critical of the leadership of this ministry because my brother was suffering because of what had happened. And so I felt very justified in being critical and vocal about this ministry. And then I was reading Romans chapter 14 one day. Just devotional time. Okay, I wasn't like flipping open God, what's the word for me? I was just reading through the scriptures, devotional time. And I came to this verse. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Wow. And the verse goes on to say, to his own master he stands or fails. And the Lord rebuked me and said, Mike, they are not your servant. Stop judging them. Stop being critical. They're my servant. It's like, okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and it was good for me. It was good for me. A rebuke is good. It's good. God's word will do that, but it always comes with hope. You know what I'm saying? You don't leave feeling like some just nasty old rotten person. It's like, okay, I got rebuked by my father and I had it coming and I embrace it and I receive it and we'll move on from here. Scriptures can bring rebuke. The next part of our text says this. Point five. Scriptures bring correction. Correction. All scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Correcting is good. The word correction there means restoration to an upright or right state. That's the Greek word means that. It means correct it means correction or to improvement of life or character. I like that part. Improvement of life or character. Correction. God wants to improve our character. Would you say amen to that? Yeah. He wants to improve our character. Because improving our character will lead to improvement of our life. You know what I'm saying? Character is huge on how your life goes. Okay, so improvement of character leads to an improved life. It really does. And uh, a lot of times I've been reading God's Word and He shows me areas that need correction. But, you know, when He shows you, it's like there's always hope. He says, Mike, now this needs to be corrected and I'll help you. Stay close to me and I'll help you. The devil will use God's Word too. You've got to be careful. You can be reading and the devils will take God's word and just condemn you. And you feel hopeless. That's not from God. There's hope when it comes from God. Okay? Still correction, but there's hope in it. Look at this passage in Philippians. I really like this passage. Philippians 2, starting in kind of the second half of verse 12. Continue to work out your salvation. Now, that's important to you. It doesn't say work for your salvation. That's a whole other thing. We do not work for our salvation. But it, 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 we are saved by the grace and favor of God through our faith in Christ. We experience salvation. We're declared righteous in God's eyes. We're justified before Him because of Jesus. Now God says, let's work this thing out. 
I've declared you righteous. Now let's work this thing out in your life. So work out your salvation. Then it says with fear and trembling. Well, that part bothered me a little bit when I first came across it. But I think the point is this. It is God working in your life. Don't treat this like some trivial little thing. God Almighty has focused on you and said, I will work in your life. And we can't trivialize it and say, nah, it's okay, I got it. No. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. The New Living Translation says it this way, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. He's working with your will and He's working with the ability to do God's will. It's awesome. God working in our lives. It's awesome. Correction from God? Awesome. Embrace it with a smile. His intentions are good. Aren't they? Jesus said, I've come to bring life. and That you would have it more abundantly. The intentions are good. But we have to be careful we don't make excuses. You know? It's easy to make excuses. When I was in college, one of the professors was telling about a sermon that he heard. And this speaker was talking about excuses. When God says something, but you always have this excuse, but God I, but God I, but God I can't. And the, the speaker made the altar call at the end of this message on excuses. And he said, I want everybody in here to come up and put their butts on the altar. The message didn't end that well. Wasn't a lot of response. But the heart of it was there. Okay? If you have an issue with anger, don't say, I'm just Italian. No! I'm just Hispanic. That's why I have a temper. No! I'm just Martian. That's why, no! You have a temper because you're still carnal in areas in your life. And you need to learn some self-control. Whether you're Italian, Hispanic, I'm a mix of everything, but whatever it is, don't make excuses. I love working in the daycare. Well, I don't work in it, but I'm around it. I hear it all the time. (laughs) Little kids have excuses for everything. Lindsay was teaching anatomy to her four and five-year-olds. And so she had this character that you could take the stomach out and the brain out and all kinds of... They loved it. She was talking about the brain, tells us what to do. Some little girl did something that was totally wrong later on. And she said, but my brain told my hand to do it. (laughs) No, that is not an excuse. Okay, that's not flying here. Correction is a good thing. Now listen, reading God's Word is not just always correcting things. Let me tell you what. I've read God's Word time and time again and He encourages. You know what I'm saying? I need encouragement. I do. I need encouragement at times. And God, yes, He'll set things in order, but teaching isn't always correcting. Teaching is just showing the right way. And He, and he encourages me. Well... Let's go on to point 
six. We're almost there. There will be no quiz at the end of the sermon. <laughs> Seven points is a lot of points. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Amen. Training in righteousness. New Living Translation says it this way. Teaches us to do what's right. Training in righteousness. That word righteousness is a beautiful word. I don't know that I can pronounce it correctly, but dekayasune, something like that. Just the quality of being right. Broadly, the word suggests conformity to the revealed will of God in all respects. Wow. Conforming to the revealed will of God in all respects. That's a lot. Okay. Diakasune is both judicial and gracious. What's that mean? God declares the believer righteous, judicial, declared righteous in the sense of acquitting him and imparts righteousness to him. I'm declaring you righteous and it's my righteousness that I'm giving you. Oh, that's amazing. But then we learn to walk it out. Okay, the training in righteousness. Declared righteous, made righteous. Now we learn to walk in that thing. And God wants to do that. Um, Let me just share a passage. Romans 6, verse 17. There's just lots of scriptures in this area. But it says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, before Jesus comes into your life, you're a slave to sin. Okay, and you have your sins of choice, but you are a slave of sin. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Receive Christ as your Savior. Surrendered your life to God. God's Spirit came into you. Your heart has changed. Okay. Eight, verse 18. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves righteousness. It's a different nature that you have now. Pursuing righteousness instead of pursuing sin. Not to get saved. You're already saved. But because you are saved from your sin and set free from that sin, now you can pursue righteousness and actually grow in that area. God takes care of everything. Every day we live is a day of training in righteousness. Every day. Even today. It's a day of training in righteousness. You can't say, I think I'm going to schedule Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for training in righteousness. And the other days, I think I'll just kind of do whatever I want to do. No. No. Every day is a day of training. Why did that person do that? I don't know. But God will use it. To train you. No, no. God's not going to answer your prayer to, you know, get that guy. No, no. No, God will use this. It's training. The guy that starts his truck early in the morning, every morning, you've heard me talk about this, he still lives there. (laughs) Truck always starts on the first time. Man, that starts great. It's earlier than I want to get up. God has never blown his motor up. God has never moved him out of my neighborhood. It's just another day of training and righteousness for me. 
Praise God that truck runs well. <laughs> Training in righteousness. Count it all joy. <laughs> Brethren, <laughs> count it all joy. We don't pick and choose which days we're going to listen to God's Word. We don't do that, do we? No. That was quite a look I just got, but I'll look another direction. No, we don't pick and choose which days we listen to God's Word. If He gives us a day to live, we follow His Word. And we may need more grace some days than others. And we may need to say, I'm sorry, more days than others. But it's all training. Listen, this is going somewhere. It really is. Rejoice in the training. Look at the last point. This is the last point. Because the scriptures, when we go through the training and all of that stuff, God is thoroughly equipping us for every good work. He is equipping us to live life. God wants us to be complete. Verse 17, So that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word thoroughly means complete. Okay? It means uh, fitted, perfect, complete. God's Word, He wants to take His Word and make us complete. Have you ever, I'm not a real puzzle person, you know, unless it's like 50 pieces or less, but (laughs) what's one thing that really bothers you when you're putting a puzzle together? And don't say your family, don't say that. When a piece is missing. Have you ever done that? I mean, you're getting down to the end. It's like, only two more pieces to go and I only have one piece left. It's like, that's just irritating. A piece is missing. Some of us are walking around with some pieces missing. And God is saying, would you just please let me put it together? I found a puzzle. This is the level of puzzle I kind of enjoy, like right here. I found a puzzle. And here's what happens is we say, God, I give you my life. I give you my whole life. Except for those pieces. I'm going to kind of keep these pieces to myself. Here, God, do what you can. And God says, I'm waiting for all the pieces. Well, do what you can with what you got. No, I'll just wait till you give me all the pieces. Well, that could take a long time. Yeah, years. Well, don't you want to start with what you got? No, I'll wait till you give them all to me. Just give him the pieces. Right? Just give him the pieces. He'll put it together. It'll all work out. Give him the pieces. Well, if I give him this piece, it's scary to give him this piece. Maybe. But give it to him. Sometimes we have to give it to him time and time and time again because we take him back. But that's okay. Just If you take it back, just give it back to him again. <sighs> thoroughly equipped. God wants us to be thoroughly equipped equipped in this life. Not struggle along with, with a little... A few years ago I needed to 
to change the brake shoes in my truck. And I'm not much of a mechanic, but I, my brother was a decent mechanic, so I grew up around it. And <clears throat> so I thought, okay, I'm going to just do it myself. But I have a problem. I have one small ratchet set and some end wrenches. Not, okay, I don't have much for tools. But Tony, bless your heart, Tony, he said, come on down to my house, you can use my stuff. I was like, okay. I drove my truck down there, brake squeaking, pulled into the park, and I step out, get all ready to go, and it's like, he's got like floor jacks. I was going to have to go get my jack out of my truck, you know what I'm saying? But he has floor jacks, and then stands to put under it, and then he flipped a switch, and I hear an air compressor, and it... I go up to the rim and it's, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. He is thoroughly equipped. He's thoroughly equipped. And thank God he didn't just leave me to myself. He did help me with some stuff. But he's thoroughly equipped to deal with stuff. God wants you and I to be thoroughly equipped to deal with life. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't want us just struggling along forever. He wants us to pick up some things along the way. Patience. Well, it's just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. <laughs> we could go through the There's things he wants us to pick up along the way. He wants us thoroughly equipped. He takes he does not take great joy in seeing us struggle, but he knows that the struggle, if we'll keep our eyes on him, will lead to us growing and becoming strong. And we'll be thoroughly equipped to have a good marriage. We'll be thoroughly equipped to raise kids according to God's Word. We'll be thoroughly equipped to take the giftings that He's placed in us and actually start using them. God will use us to do things. That's His heart. And you know, He loves to see us growing. It's a process, but He loves it. He loves it. So... Let's just go through all seven points. There we go. Written for a reason. Why do we take time to read God's Word? Why do we take time to meditate on it? Why do we even want to do it every day? Well, let me tell you what. It comes from God. God is speaking to us. It leads us to salvation. Okay, but once we've gotten to that point, we don't want to stop. Here's the rest of it. it teaches us. It teaches us. It'll rebuke us when we need it. And that's good. What's the next one? Correction. That's good. I don't want to live my whole life wrong. You know, let's live it right. Trains us in righteousness. We're declared righteous and now it's actually starting to show up on the way we treat people and on the way we see our job and on the way, what all that kind of stuff. Trains us in righteousness. And thoroughly equips us for every good work. That's a pretty awesome thing. So, I would recommend that we just really read His Word. Listen to His Word. And you know what? It isn't just us. You get the Word of God in you, it comes out and it touches other people too. You know, whatever you get from the Lord, the people around you get. They do. It's awesome. Worship team, let's go ahead and uh, how am I going to close the service? Let's see.
I've been talking about God's Word. I think uh, we have to believe what it says. Anybody need healing today? Does God's Word say that He heals? It says lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. Anoint with oil. God's Word says there's healing. Amen? So if we believe God's Word and you're in need of healing, we pray for healing. Okay? Uh, whatever needs you would have, as long we we got to believe God's word. Uh, the word discouragement came to me. If anybody has been going through some discouragement, I tell you what, come on up, we'll pray. We'll pray. And I won't say this is the one that's discouraged right here. Let's pray for him. I'm not going to do that. Right? I won't do that. Let's respond to God's word. Amen? Stand together.